And now, The Fine Print with Attorney Jen Rout. Hi, and welcome to The Fine Print, advice for living in a legally complicated world. I'm your host, Jen Rout, and this is my wonderful sidekick, Ben Needenthal. Wonderful. I like that. Let's let's, let's stick with that as a descriptor. That's good. Oh, you yes. know. Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm Ben Needenthal. Uh, you probably heard my voice on a couple other programs that I've produced here. Uh, but uh, today, we're talking about legal stuff. And uh, as usual, uh, I know absolutely nothing about the topic we're going to discuss today as to make me sound as dumb as I can. Um, and uh, today's topic is... What do you do when you want to start a side business? A side business? I'm still focused on my main business. <laughs> the fuck do i want a side business for side business small business a business of any sort so selling weed basically is what you're saying well maybe after this coming election in ohio you could do that if not this one next next month next year too so there's a couple of them on the ballot so that there is yeah if you're in colorado you could yeah totally yeah but not here yet we're in ohio yep yep we're in ohio yeah buckeye state so, okay, so, okay, so side business, like what, what sort of side business, I mean, just kind of any side business or? Any side business. You have a lot of firefighters who have extra time off, so they do a little remodeling or construction work on the side, or, um, you know, you've taken your uh, pampered chef business to a new level, or um, you are doing freelance work for whatever you're chosen field is and you want to get some tax write-offs and you're going into people's homes or anything where you want to protect yourself from some liability and create some tax advantages for yourself or you're a prostitute in the state of nevada true yeah i guess right yeah i I guess i don't know that's not how it works i don't know anything about that business so (laughs) no (laughs) so okay so let's say uh i am wanting to start a business um selling I don't know, styrofoam or something <laughs> stupid like that. That's the first thing that came to mind. Styrofoam. I know, right? <clears throat> they can't all be winners, Jen. Um, so, um, let's, so let's say I've got this amazing styrofoam product that I'm trying to start selling on the side. Yes. Uh, and let's say I'm, I'm already gainfully employed at the, uh, the ABC company making uh, ABCs or something. <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> I have a feeling that these these hypothetical situations are going to get wildly out of hand here soon. Uh, um, so okay, so you've got a main job, and then you decide to start a second job. I mean, are we just talking like from start to finish, like what you need to do? Yeah, okay. all of your basics. Um, because you don't think about it. You think I'm just going to start selling this stuff at the beginning, or I'm going to go into people. I'm going to clean people's houses, but. You're going into someone's home. What happens if you break something? Right. Or any number of things could happen. So if you set it up right, you can protect yourself from some personal liability, put everything on the company, and begin to grow that business. Okay. Okay. So obviously the first thing you start with is advertising. No. (laughs) (laughs) Is that cart before the horse? No. Cart cart before the horse. Okay. So 
Realistically, you want to start by choosing your entity. So that could be an LLC, which is a limited liability company. That could be a corporation, also known as an Inc. Uh, you could continue on as a sole proprietorship, uh, which just means I have no entity. It's just me. Um, or a partnership, if you have a partnership. Okay. Um, I highly recommend not doing the last two, uh, <laughs> you know, sole proprietorships. Um, that keeps all the liability on you and that doesn't protect you at all. So we want to avoid that whenever possible. Right, right. I mean, when I set up Boxland, it was like I, I, I consulted my, my attorney at the time and it's an LLC, period. They're the, I didn't even get an option. No. So, yeah. I say in today's world, it's an LLC yeah. nine times out of ten. And the way that that was explained to me, and I'm actually not 100% of an idiot in this regard, <laughs> is LLC stands for Limited Liability Company. Correct. Which means if something goes completely off the rails, you personally are not responsible for paying back uh, the, the whatever is due I guess or, or you know whatever the damages are sure um, it, it limits your liability and protects you personally most of the time there are still ways to pierce the corporate veil and get to you personally but there is now a veil between you and your company so that's what an LLC does it creates that barrier that will protect you individually versus you, the company. And that's why to set it up at the beginning is very important. Okay. Okay. So you could always choose to incorporate. But the fact is that really is only beneficial for people now under very certain circumstances. And you really have to go through every bit of um, detail with an attorney to make sure that is absolutely the right thing to do. Because the great thing about an LLC is it gives you the, all the liability protections of a corporation, but it gives you flexibility on your tax structure. And that's really where it's beneficial because you can flow all that income through to your personal taxes and still be treated as a sole proprietor for purposes of taxes. Or you can switch it over to be taxed like an S-corp um, so basically you're taxed like a corporation where the corporation itself or the LLC itself has a tax return. You can pay yourself like an employee. You can also take distributions and it can save you self-employment taxes and it again creates more separation. So we like that. We like to be able to have some flexibility and with an LLC you can start as an LLC taxed as a sole proprietorship. And then once you move to a certain threshold, we can flip your structure over, as far as the IRS is concerned, into an S-Corp when the time is right. So you can start your little side business, still treat it as sole proprietorship, that flows through on your taxes, it's very simple bookkeeping, but you have an LLC to create a barrier of liability. So okay. you're protected and building a foundation to grow. Okay, all right, that makes sense, all right. So there's there's LLC there's there's uh, basically incorporating mm -hmm. or is it incorporating or is it it it's a corporation or a to corporation. incorporate it's okay. an ink <laughs> okay all right all right so you become an ink um, and then the the other two that you mentioned were 
to remain as a sole proprietorship, so that has no legal entity whatsoever. Um, or if you have a business partner, you can just be a partnership or a, there's a list of different types of partnerships. All of them come with difficulties. So and all partnerships go perfectly every single time. Absolutely. And a lot of people think, well, we need to be a partnership because there's two of us in the business. Well, you can be an LLC and still basically be a partnership. Right. It's just you're a two-member LLC. Right. Two members with equal shares. We just want to create that entity, not just be personally liable for everything. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So so that's setting up the the this the basically the start of the business. Right. And you do that through an attorney usually. You can do it on your own with the Secretary of State or whatever that organization is in your state. There's a filing fee that goes with it. And each state has a different requirement. And some have annual requirements of things you have to file. Others do not. Um, And so when you file for your LLC, you are filing your articles of organization. And that's where you state the name of your company who the statutory agent will be, and that is the person who is going to get served or is basically the public representative. And that can be you or it could be an attorney. Um, And then your information isn't out in the public record. Okay. So that's a nice way of doing it. So, you know, not everyone has your home address. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So, all right. I think that makes sense to me. So... I, I, I had a question. I can't remember what it is now. So. <laughs> Don't you hate when that happens? Yeah, I do. So you get the LLC formed, and that that's your first step, and then... Oh, thought of it. Okay. Um, okay, so last episode we talked about, um, <clears throat> like, the online places like LegalZoom.com, mm-hmm. um, who are not currently a sponsor, by the way. Right. Uh, <laughs> and probably won't <laughs> probably ever won't be. be. Uh, but it, is setting up an LLC or anything like that, is that a bad idea to do through LegalZoom, or is that something you need to actually have an actual attorney? Here's the thing. You go to LegalZoom, and they're going to hand you do your letters of... Um, or, basically set up your LLC and they will do an operating agreement for you. I've reviewed a lot of LegalZoom operating agreements and especially if you have more than one person involved in the LLC, they often fail to determine who the tax matters partner is, who the managing member is, Um, and they aren't tailored to your business. So it's an important agreement to have tailored to what you're doing and to make sure that you are setting this document up as the foundation for what you're gonna grow off of. So again, it's having that time with an attorney to talk about what your needs are and to have something customized. And if you choose to go the legal Zoom route, it often can cause problems later when, you know, the members of the LLC have a little dispute and you haven't determined how are you going to deal with those disputes? That's what an operating agreement does. But in a company, everybody gets along all the time. Oh yeah, all the time. No one ever starts a company and then quits or, you know, has a little hissy fit because they didn't get their way ever. <laughs> um, it, it's one of those things. An operating agreement is planning for the worst, but hoping for the best. And it sets you up on how to grow as well as how to get divorced because the fact is when businesses fail and there's more than one member, 
It is like going through a divorce. Or if one member leaves, it is like going through a divorce. So this is planning for how you're going to handle those situations in the event you have to deal with it. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. All right. So in our situation, um, my wife technically owns the company. Uh, and if and since that's the case, it's I think technically we're considered a single member LLC. Yep. Um, so I mean that basically means that if, if if all goes sideways, then there's she's limited as far as the liability of of Boxland stuff, but at the same time, so am I since my name is not actually on the stuff. Correct. Right? So, and if you're a single member, then that particular document, the what was the name of it again? The operating agreement. Operating agreement's probably not necessary. No, still important. Okay. Reason being, anytime you need something with a bank. Okay. Um, they want to see your operating agreement. Okay. They want to know that you have thought through how you are going to handle things and how you are going to grow. And that is the document that establishes who actually owns the company and by how much. Okay. So they need to see it. So, you know, starting out, that is a step that is often missed. Okay. But then you have to go recreate. And your purposes change over time. And sure. what you do changes over time. So you can always amend this agreement. Mm-hmm. You should at least have it at the beginning to start with. Okay. All right. Third document is to go get your EIN. So that is your employer identification number from the IRS. There's a lot of identity theft going around today. Let's not put your social security number out there anywhere if we can help it. Not smart. No. So we want you to have an EIN. Even if you are operating as a sole proprietorship where people actually will send you a 1099 or you do work for them, we would much rather you go get an EIN and not have your social security number out in the general public. Let's just not be given think that about, out. Think about it like this. You are in a situation where you were handed a 1099, and this I can actually speak to, because uh, I get 1099s all the time from companies. If you don't have an EIN on there, then you're literally writing your seven-digit social. Seven to eight digit. <laughs> Nine. 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 That's never been your strong suit. No, no, it hasn't. Um, No, you're you're literally writing your social security number down and on a piece of paper and sending it to somebody. Just take a piece of paper out of your desk right now. Write your social security number on it and mail it snail mail to somebody that you don't know. Exactly. That's stupid. Don't you don't know who's in that company? You don't know what information they're seeing. Um, even if you're just working for, you know, individuals at their residences, you don't know who all is going through their house or who sees that information. You know, they have teenage kids going through there and they go, ha ha, look at that. And kids are good with computers. They can figure out things. So, you know, let's, let's limit the information that is out there as a protection to you as you start your business. Yeah. Yeah. Can't believe I said there are fucking seven digits on it. It's so stupid. I can't Uh, believe I said that. Happens to the best of us. So so those are the three key documents that you really need. And you go to an attorney and, you know, the flat fees range from between 450 and 750. Okay. Um, I would say in Ohio, the going rate really is about $500, and that includes your filing fees with the Secretary of State. 
What you also should get with that is the full consultation with the attorney to go over kind of your business model or plan or whatever it is. Um, they set up the LLC, they get your EIN, and they do your operating agreement. They should also tell you some important things. So as you have now started out on business, you're going to sign contracts and, you know, have a proposal and do all of those things. And depending on what your area of business is, that attorney should talk to you about some of the important issues in your field. Um, for instance, if you are a in construction at all and you're doing remodeling or anything at someone's home, and I'm not talking just like the plumber gets called in to fix a broken pipe, but anything of, you know, more of a contractual nature, it's not just a one-time come in and fix something. It's, you know, painting the whole house, it is um, removing a tree from the backyard, uh, building a retaining wall, anything like that, that, you know, construction-like. In Ohio, we have the Consumer Sales Practices Act, the Home Solicitations Act, and a number of other provisions that affect those kind of transactions. So we want to make sure you have a good contract set up with all the necessary language and you kind of know how to handle these things. Other important things to have is... So it's sort of like a template in that yeah. sense. Yeah. So it's a template where you just kind of fill in the blanks of what the, this is the standard stuff and... Now, let's say one of the, the clients comes to you and says, hey, and, and, you know, this part here, I don't like this line about, you know, whatever it is. I don't. Mm -hmm. uh, that's easy to just remove. Do you need a, a lawyer yep. to help you with that or? It depends on what it is. Um, I mean, you should have a form contract that you can work off of if you are doing contract type work. And it should be something that you can edit and make customized for each client as needed. But you should know which parts of that standard language that is in your contract must stay in there. Um, for instance, for Ohio contractors under the Ohio uh, Consumer Sales Practices Act, there is a three-day right of rescission. We want to make sure that that language is in your contract because uh, if not, you can be in big trouble. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. All right. And contracts really, they just, they help everybody involved. I mean, I, I deal with contracts in my line of work and it's just, it's, it, people think contract and the, I think the, their heads go immediately to like cell phone contracts and, and, and other, you know, contracts have, have a negative connotation to it. And I don't think that that's, you know, that's, it's obviously it's not accurate because it's designed to help everybody so that, you know, nobody gets completely hosed. Exactly. You want to know what, what everybody is doing what the cost is going to be, basically, who does what and when. And that's what a contract does. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be in a bunch of legalese. It just needs to say, this is what we're agreeing to. Um, because that sets you up for success. And it will help you if something does go wrong, because you say, well, we had a contract. Here's what it is. Here's what I did. Here's what you did. Here's where the gap is. Right. So it eliminates that. The other important thing is, and I think a lot of times this gets missed, is now you own a company. How do you sign for that company? Because there is case law in at least Ohio, I'm sure it's other places, that if you don't put your title and don't make it clear that you are signing on behalf of the company, then you can be held personally responsible. Hmm. 
That's not good. No, and that's a technical little detail, and you don't yeah. think about it. So, you know, when you are the managing member of an LLC, uh, you want to sign Jennifer Rout, managing member, Rout Law LLC, um, or whatever it is, because then it's clear to anyone who looks at that signature that is who, how you're signing. You're signing to bind the company, not you personally, versus just signing your name. There is in theory, room for ambiguity. Gotcha. And we want to eliminate that if possible. Gotcha. I think that's, as far as I understand how the law works in general, it's, it, it, is, it is an ongoing effort to eliminate ambiguity across the board. It's, it is the eradication of ambiguity. That's a, that's a hard word. Ambiguity. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 just a complete eradication of it. Just, yeah, systematic. Right. We right? want to yeah. be systematic and clear and yes. clear as possible whenever we can be. Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. That makes sense. All right. So what, uh, what other documents are there? Okay. So after you have that key set up... Then you need to go, and we need to do a few other things with a few other professionals. One, you need some insurance. Um, even if you are just a basic, simple, going into someone's house to clean, an insurance policy that will protect you if you break that vase on the counter, very important. Because what if that vase turns out to be some chihuly blown glass craziness that costs fifty thousand dollars you don't want to pay for that so we want to get you to a good insurance agent who can get you an affordable insurance policy that will protect you if something goes wrong okay all right that makes sense next we want to make sure you get to an accountant um and not this not necessarily right away but how are you going to keep track of your books how are you going to keep track of your income and expenses i can speak to this it's fucking hard. <laughs> it's really hard. And I'm not a math guy at all, but I mean, oh my God, hire a CPA. Seriously. Just, it's not that expensive. And it's yeah. worth every penny, you know? And to get with a good one who can tell you how to set up your QuickBooks yeah. or, you know, how to tell you to how to keep a ledger, even if you're going to do it the old pen and paper style. Yeah. Or an Excel spreadsheet. Just for them to explain to you what you can write off, what you can't, what you should keep track of, how you should keep track of it. A consultation with an accountant is worth its weight in gold if yes. they set you up correctly. And most of them will meet you the first time for free. Yes. So at least talk to somebody so you know you're not making any mistakes. Yeah. Say so it's very important. Say so after that, you have kind of your foundation of your business and you can start moving forward with your advertising and things. Okay. Okay, which is all great. And if you're going to grow, even better. So you can do things like a podcast or a website and all of that good stuff. Have someone design your cool logo and branding and go from there. But if you're going to do certain things, you're going to want disclaimers or trademarks or any number of things to make sure you are protected from somebody else using your name um, or for someone interpreting what you're doing as, you know, legal advice and implying a uh, attorney-client <laughs> privilege here. We're not doing that, by the no, way. <laughs> no, if you're taking any of this as actual legal advice, 
please stop. Seriously. I mean, this, Jen is a professional. She knows what she's talking about. But every law varies from state to state and from county to county. It's, it's, it's a talk to your attorney. And if you don't have an attorney, you should probably have an attorney. Kind of nice having yeah. someone to call, right? Yeah, because sooner or later, it's one of these days, the law is going to come down on you in some way, shape, or form. I had a weird run-in with like a tax thing uh, where, for whatever reason, I was, and this is this is years back, but I, I had like a... <clears throat> It was like uh, my local taxes didn't get paid properly or something like that. And the city that I was in at the time wanted to throw the book at me and like, I mean, like go full blown like tax evasion. And it was over like 300 bucks or something like that. And it, and I had to get an attorney and, and, and she went in and went toe to toe and I watched her argue and it, it, it dazzled me. So yeah, no problem. So yeah. So it's important to have those people yes. to call. You yeah. don't need to talk to them every day. No, no, please don't. In fact, most attorneys no. don't want to talk to you every day. No, we're nice people, but... <laughs> but they're people. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they're humans. Yes. We are people. Yeah. Most of the time. Yeah. So, okay. So so you've got your side business set up and everything, and, and that's uh, you got all that covered. Uh, I mean, what other... Is there any other paperwork you'd need to... So those are your big four. But okay. after that, then we start looking at, as you grow, we want to look at employment agreements, mm. independent contractor agreements. Um, moving forward, how are you going to handle taxes for those employees? How are you going to pay those employees? Um, if you start growing and you have lots of employees, do you need an employee handbook? Mm. A lot okay. of people like employee handbooks and they like them very early on. Gotcha. I would caution because <laughs> anything you put in the handbook, you have to follow. And sometimes we download a handbook from online and it's meant for a much bigger company and it built leaves no flexibility for your small company to grow and move. Exactly what that's like. I had I worked for a company that did that exact thing and they had no business having a, an employee handbook at all and it was just like just reading through it and there are things in there that they they didn't even read through the entire book you know oh. there, there are things in there that didn't even pertain to the business and you're like this is stupid you got this offline right yeah. and that's the thing you want your documents to be customized to you um again let's use the firefighter as an example so firefighters tend to work you know 24 on 48 off type of situation or sometimes it's 72 off. So they can do three-day construction projects. A lot of them do. Um, so they might have independent contractors that come help them or subcontractors. Okay, this is a great side gig. They have extra time. They can do that. That's wonderful. Let's get you set up in an LLC. Let's get you some insurance because that first time you put on a roof and that roof is starting to leak and the homeowner is mad and sues you and sues the shingle company you want them suing the actual company your company not you personally and we want to make sure that we have all of those correct contracts with not only you and the homeowner or you as the company and the homeowner but we also want to make sure those subcontractors are all in order and that we've gotten the workers comp and they're 10, 9, or uh, W9s and everything we need from everyone. So 
meeting with an attorney, they will tell you all of the things you need. So for instance, if you're subcontracting out work to independent contractors, you want a subcontractor agreement, their workers' comp certificate, if they have one. If they choose not to have one, you want the thing, the little form that says, I am choosing to self-insure and not have workers' comp. That basically says they're not going to fall on your workers' comp. Very important documents. Yeah. You want their insurance certificate to make sure that if, you know, they cause damage, there is insurance to cover the damage that they cause. And then, of course, their W-9, which has their employer's identification number. So that way you have all of that and you keep it for all of the subcontractors you work with. That way you have everything you need that will help keep your insurance premiums down and it keeps you on the straight and narrow and prevents problems. Cool. I have clients, I have a client who did not do this and um, got sued personally. There were problems with the shingles. It cost him $25,000 in legal fees just for him to settle at the end and he had to pay out money that he shouldn't have had to pay out, but he was going up against a multi-billion dollar shingle company. <laughs> they were going to drown him in yes. legal fees. Yep. And that's awful. Your insurance will often cover some legal fees if there is any claims of negligence. So, important to have. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's yeah, going up against big companies is not good. No, so this is ways to protect you as the little guy. You are David versus Goliath. We don't want you to get crushed. I like that analogy. It's, yes, good. So Very as good. David, we want to give you every advantage we can with your little slingshot. Perfect. Love it. All right. Awesome. All right. Uh, any other ones? I say those are really the big documents and what you need. Okay. All right. Uh, any other questions? Nothing intelligent. <laughs> um, I'm supposed to have a, a lawyer joke of the week here. Okay, we've got a two-part lawyer joke for us today. All right? All right. Uh, what do you call a lawyer with an IQ of 100? I have no idea. Your honor. <laughs> oh. What do you call a lawyer with an IQ of 50? I don't know. Senator. <laughs> All right. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Lawyer joke of the week, and uh, that that this has been the fine print uh, with our host Jen Rout, attorney at law, yes. and uh, me. I am just your average Joe Schmuckatelli off the street. Uh, thank you for joining us, and we will talk to you next week. This program is meant to be informative in nature and does not constitute actual legal advice or form an attorney-client relationship in any way. Views and opinions stated in this program are solely the views and opinions of the speaker. Each situation is different. Always consult an attorney in your state to analyze your specific legal needs. This program may change your views of attorneys in general, as they are not what they seem on TV. I mean, seriously, could the main character in Suits actually exist in real life?